0: My name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church, and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking, or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. If you want to follow along in Scripture, you can turn to Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to be today. This week, as a province on, on the 10th, we moved into stage two of our reopening plan, which has allowed us to have a few more people here in the building, and and we're thankful for that. And and we're going to be able to see even some of the the numbers continue to grow a little bit that way. And and if to that end, if you're watching online and you would like to join us here in person you can go to hillsideairdry.ca and click on the worship live uh, worship live and you can register to be here as long as as long as we have the, the attendance limits we do need you to register but hopefully both of those things will be going away fairly soon but we can can if you want to join us you're welcome to do that and we're getting closer and closer to the vaccine threshold for stage three which the government has said that's what we need to allow us to open completely and as a church We are so excited about the potential to be able to be back together is it's been 16 months since we've been able to do that And we are excited that that somehow some way we seem to maybe be only weeks away before we can be together again And for so many and I know I've said it a million times and I know I've heard so many people say it a million times Just want to get back to normal just want to get... I've even probably said it five times already this morning. Just want to get back to normal. But I want to challenge us. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge me to not get back to normal. To not pine for just what was. To not look back and go, I just want everything to be back the way that it was on March 17th, 2020. when Before all of this craziness and all of this stuff happens to not just want to get back to what was, to not just want to get back to, to who we were, but to instead reject the idea of what was and reject the idea of, of what is and for look for us to, to use this time and this transition time to not go back to normal, but instead to go back to something better than normal. That this wouldn't be just a hard reset in life and if I can just get back to where I was. But if we can look and say, that's where I was, but this is where I'm going. That this is still a time that we've been able to grow as people and as a church. We've been able to grow in so many ways. And we don't want to throw it all away just to get back to normal. And I want to talk to you for the next couple of weeks about something that will, will be at the, the heart or the core of coming back better. Something that, that if, if we want to do this, we're going to have to understand this because everything is going to come out of what we're going to talk about. So as we eye, have an eye towards opening up something that will so deeply inform how this goes for us as people and us as a church. I guess it kind of serves as maybe a bit of a warning. Um, a bit, maybe a bit of a warning for, for, for us in our lives and, and hopefully not just a warning, but also a roadmap for how we can deal with the warning in a really godly way. See, here's the warning that I want to give to you. Here, here's the warning that I want to spell out for you. As we open up, and more people make their way back to church, maybe not everybody right away, but over a couple of months, and we begin to see people coming back to church, they might be here. You know who I'm talking about when I say they. It may be different for each one of us, but we've each got a they. So many of our circumstances that have, been, have, have existed in the last year and a bit, have put so much strain and pressure on relationships. And for some of us, it may have been people inside the church. And they were very vocal about their feelings, about their opinions on politics, or race, or COVID-19, or restrictions, or vaccines, or whatever it may be. And their opinions were very different than yours. And maybe you got into it with them. Or maybe you just muted them on Facebook. But real life, church, we don't have a mute button here. You can't just not hear somebody. And you may have been very glad to have their opinions and their thoughts on these things not a part of your life for a while. It may have felt really good to just say, I don't need to see this anymore, and not have had it. But on a Sunday, they might be here. You might see them walk through the door and say, I haven't seen your face on Facebook in six months because I don't follow you anymore. And so that's the warning for us. They might be here. See, we're going to be confronted by some of the things that have had a chance to push us apart. We've been able to live in the midst of some of these things that maybe have put a strain on your relationship with someone else for a long time. Because there's been a forced distance where I don't have to deal with it. But now, over the next while, you might see some people that you, that was how, the nature of a relationship. We're going to be confronted by some of the things that have had a chance to push us apart. When we come together, some people are going to be relieved to not have to wear a mask anymore. And some people are going to continue to wear theirs. How will that make you feel? Whichever side of it you're on. Some people are going to be so excited to hug and to be close to each other, and some people are going to want to keep their distance still. How will you respond, whichever side you're on? The, when you step in to hug somebody and they take a step back, or when somebody steps in to hug you and you jump back because you're—how are we going to respond, whichever side we're on? And so this is why we need a road map. Because it's going to, to come up. It's going to, to show up. Something to show us how do we handle that. How do, how do we as a church, as believers, how do we deal with them? Whatever it is for you that makes them, them. And we're going to get to Romans 12 in a moment. But, but to set out the main idea, I wanted to actually turn one chapter further to Romans 13 to see this idea. And we're going to use Romans 12 as sort of our guide for the next few weeks to sort of pull out how we do this. Now, Romans 13. Now, as we've walked through COVID, there are a couple of verses that have been shared a lot regarding Romans chapter 13. The first seven verses. And you may have been thinking, hoping, or worried that that's where we're going today. But not today. You can read that and ingest it and do with it whatever it is that you would like to do. But today we're going to start at verse 8. Jump down to verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And this is what we're going to really be talking about over the next couple of weeks. We can say, love your neighbor as yourself. We can say we need to love each other. Rosanna did a wonderful job unpacking for us what it can look like for us to love one another. We can say those things. We can understand the words and the principle. But we're going to really dig into what Paul has to say in Romans 12 about what it means to love each other. And I love this verse in particular. Because it paints our understanding of our need to love one another in a really interesting light. Paul talks about our need to love one another like a debt that we owe. That he's let no debt in your life remain unpaid. And before that, he's talking about all kinds of different areas. He says, accept the continuing debt to love one another. I owe the debt of loving you. But it's not you that I owe that debt to. I don't owe you a debt of loving you. It's a debt that I owe to God. It's a debt that I owe to him. And Paul says, if if you want to pay the debt back, if you want to pay God back for what he's done in your life, love your neighbor. Love one another. Not because people are lovable. That's not the reason... I need to love you because God loves me. And he's asked me to return that love in my life by loving you, by loving people. See, our love for each other, it's not a quid pro quo. It's not, if you do this, then I'll do that. It's not, if we agree on this, then we can love each other. It's not, if we don't talk about that, then we can still love each other. Our understanding of love is not based on what you do informs what I do. Our understanding of love is that God has done this and he's asked me to do that. The way that we treat others is not between us and other people. It's between us and God. It's a debt that, we, that is continuing between us and God. And God says to us, want to love me for loving you? Want to know how to pay me back? Want to know how to show your love for what I've done in your lives? Then love them. Even them. See, Paul goes on to say in verse, verse 9 and 10, and then we'll jump back to Romans 12, but in verse 9 he says, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. If we want to know how to live out what God has called us to do, how do we fulfill the law? we got to love each other. And so as we look to come back as a church, but more than that, as a church family, I want to talk about what our hearts need to look like in regards to each other. Especially them. So, we're going to go to Romans 12, verse 9. That's where we're going to be for the next little while. We're going to unpack these next verses as Paul explains to us this is how you have to love. So, Romans 12, verse 9 begins Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. This is a very difficult place to begin this discussion. To understand what our love for each other needs to look like. Because it's like jumping into the deep end of the pool in order to learn how to swim. is It's not taking baby steps. The first thing that we need to know about our love for each other is that it has to be sincere. It has to be real. And that's tough. Because I can do a very good job of acting like I love you playing the part of someone who loves someone especially as paul would unpack what it looks like to love somebody if you can give me a checklist i can do that if you what in order to love one another you have to speak words of kind affirmation you have to be servant hearted you have to think of you have to do all of the i can do that i, I get, okay, got it got it got it got it but paul begins by saying it's got to be sincere. Before I even tell you what it is that you got to do, you've got to mean it. You've got to have the overflow. You don't just get to have a checklist and go, check that, check that, check that, check that. Perfect. Do all the things and feel all the rules. Paul says, nope. If that's your plan, if that's what you're thinking you're going to do to demonstrate your love is just do a bunch of stuff, then forget it. Right out of the gate, You've already missed the point. You actually need to mean it. You actually have to love them. Love is not a series of actions or action points. It's not a to-do list. And if you think that's what you're going to do, you're wrong. We'll talk about this in more detail later, actually on July 4th. Like I say, hopefully planning on that being our reopening Sunday. But Paul will talk about when we do things that look like love... But without love, he talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he'll tell us, whatever it is that you think you're doing, if you're not doing it with love, you're actually not doing it. And he will talk about all of these big, grand, spiritual concepts of prophecy. And he'll talk about selling all your stuff. And he'll talk about all of these different things that you could do. And he says, but if you're not doing it with actual, real love, even though it looks like love, it's not what you think you're doing. It's not what you think it is. Love needs to be sincere. And so the first thing that we need to take away About our love for each other. Is that we really do have to love each other. Not just act like we do. But really, really love them. It has to be sincere. Not just preferably sincere. It must be sincere. The Greek word is this. And it means... I I forgot to write down in my notes how to say it. So I have no idea how to say that. Um, But it means unhypocritical, unfeigned, sincere. In case you were wondering if you could go back in the Greek and find a loophole to not really love them. The Greek even tells us we got to love each other. It's got to be real and it's got to be honest. Then verse 10 goes on to say, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. We're going to take this and break it into two. But in the previous verse, Paul says that our love for each other has to be sincere, it has to be genuine. Now he tells us to love one another, we need to be devoted to one another in love. And the picture that the word devoted to one another in love, as you unpack what this paints, the word picture, is that it's the kind of devotion that someone would have as a love for a sibling. We must love each other with a family kind of love. And the picture that it paints there is is not necessarily that you can look at your brother and sister and go, well, I don't really love them very much right now. So I'm out of... Found my loophole. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. My brother is a jerk. And so I don't have to... Ha-ha, figured it out. It's not that. The understanding that he gives to us is that when we are in Christ, we become brothers and sisters... The Bible tells us that God actually adopts us as his children. That that we actually become the children of God together. And that we become family together. And he welcomes us into his family. And this family includes everyone who knows Jesus as God their father. Brothers and sisters don't get along. All the time. That's a hallmark of most sibling relations. But whatever happens, there's always a family bond that ties them together. That we don't just get to say, you're not my brother anymore. And then that be that. That there, there is this, this long-lasting relationship and connection that exists beyond how we feel about each other in the moment. See, friends can come and go. Is I can be friends with somebody, and then they can do something... And now we're not friends anymore. That I can be friends with Mark, and then I can do something, and Mark says, "We're not going to be seeing Brad around here so much no more." You know, uh, uh, there's nothing that that can connect us forever. But if Mark's my brother, he's my brother. And even if I do terrible things, we're still brothers. We don't get to just walk away and say, you know what? Sorry, dude. We're not friends anymore. We may, but we're still brothers. We become brothers and sisters in the Lord. This is what Paul is encouraging, with us, encouraging us with. Paul is calling us, the, the word that's used there, it, it's the same word where we get this the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's that same understanding. And this, this is what Paul is encouraging with us. He's calling us to see each other in our relationship with each other like this. That these are not just the people I go to church with. But these are my people. This is my family we are family together as family we go my family paul is calling us to think about this like your brother and your sister think about what it takes for someone to not be your brother or your sister anymore that's how we're supposed to see each other and be committed to your other believers like that and the first thing that we talked about you got to mean it it's got to be real That it's not just this, well, I love you like a brother. No, no, no. You have to love like they're your brother or they're your sister. The second part of that verse, honor one another above yourselves. What Paul is getting at here is that our relationships with each other, they're meant to be horizontal. They're not meant to be vertical. We're called to be on the same plane. We're, we're meant to see others beside us, not above us or below us. We're meant to treat people like that as well. We're not to lord over people as, as we see as beneath us. And we're not meant to, to be lorded over by people who would see themselves as above us. Jesus would talk about that and he would say, this is how the Gentiles work. They lord over each other, their, their positions and their relationship. You're not supposed to be like that. In Mark chapter 10 or 12, I believe he says that. We we are people, or we as people can have a tendency to compare other people with ourselves and to judge other people and the choices they make based on what we would have done or what we think they should have done. The way they raise their children, the clothes they wear, their financial decisions. They're politics. The list goes on. But when we honor one another above ourselves, what we're really getting at the heart of the issue, the idea is that whatever someone else does, or the, sorry, the heart of the issue is not whatever somebody else does, they must be right because I need to honor them. And so how I feel means nothing, and I just need to accept that whatever they think is right, as right, it's not that. That's not what Paul is saying when he says honor one another. It's not that we just accept whatever's going on in each other's lives and somehow just say, well, I'm going to honor you by not telling you that you're crazy and you're wrong. But what it is, is it's placing that person and who they are Not their opinions and thoughts, but this person in front of you. And understanding that they bear the image of your father. That I am going to have my love for them not be touched by how they feel about things. I'm going to love them enough for my love to be above their opinions, their choices, and their lifestyle. Because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let's be honest for a moment. The church isn't exactly famous for its unity. We can fight over worship styles, how we feel about specific preachers, which Bible translations are our favorites. We have so many denominations that exist. About the only time the church has the ability to come together over something is usually with an attitude of condemnation against culture. But even then, we don't always fall on the same page. But this isn't a unique issue to our time. We can talk about some of these things inside the church, like somehow we've fallen and we've allowed this to take root in our, in our faith. This is not a new issue to the church. We read about these issues of allowing what we think about someone to matter more. Or sorry, what we think about what some... Let's try this again. We read about these issues of allowing what we think about what someone thinks to matter more than what we think about that person. As early in church history as 1 Corinthians... From the very beginning, even as this church was getting off the ground, infighting was beginning to happen inside of the church about which preacher or which pastor they most closely identified with. And it wasn't just a matter of preference. It wasn't like, well, I really prefer it when, when Brad preaches. Well, I really prefer it when Matt preaches. I think that, that, that somehow it wasn't just preference The church was falling apart at the seams because they couldn't understand. The church was allowing how they felt about something to mean more to them than how they felt about each other. Or another way to say it, they cared more about how they felt about something than how they felt about someone. And Paul would write to them essentially saying... All right, it's not on there. Why are you arguing about your preference or your preferred preacher? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he gets right to it and he says, some of you say, I am of Apollos. Well, some of you say, I am of Cephas. Some of you say, I am of Paul. Some of you say, I am of Jesus. As if somehow that elevates you above it. But here's what you need to know. Paul will say, Is Jesus divided? Is he divided among you? And Paul will go on to say, I am glad that I didn't baptize very many of you. Because then you can't say, well, I was baptized by Paul. And he goes on and says, I baptized this handful of people. They're the only people that would say that. But you need to stop saying this to each other. Your favorite preacher doesn't have the power to save you. Your favorite preacher wasn't crucified for you. He can only point you to the one who can. Paul will say, You need to stop allowing your preference, your understanding of of what you think is important about our faith, to kneel down to our love for one another. See, honoring one another above ourselves doesn't mean that we have to bend our thoughts or our ideas or our preferences to fit a specific mold or way of thinking. If that were the case, we'd all have to find a way to agree on everything. Favorite preachers, worship styles, Bible translations. That's just the easy part. Politics, culture. If there was somehow an expectation that we all feel the same, then we got to figure out how to all feel the same. But when we're called to honor one another above ourselves, that means despite our differences of opinions, style, and perceptions, we can all still come together at the foot of the cross. And realize that as I come to the cross and as you come to the cross... All the things that can cause us to be divided, judgmental, to push us apart. All the things that we may disagree with each other about, even vehemently. Even things that I think may make me think that you are just wrong about. When we look at the cross of Christ and what it means for my... Or when I look at the cross of Christ and what it means for me in my life. And I realize what it's done for me in my life. And I remember what God has asked me to do. To pay him back for what he did for me. It's to love you. It's to love each other. And I can choose to think about how God and how I feel about you more than how I feel about how you feel about something. We can say to each other, I may not agree with your specific preferences or opinion, but I agree with you on Jesus, what he's done for us, and who we are to him. Despite differences of opinion, we can all come together at the foot of the cross and love each other. Really, truly, sincerely love each other. Friends, let's not go back to normal. Let's not go back to what was. Let's not go back to who we were. Let's go back to better. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful that you call us into community with each other, that you call us to be a body of Christ, that you haven't called us to serve by ourselves. You haven't called us to live out our faith alone. But God, you've called us to do faith. You've called us to do our relationship with you. You've called us to do life with other people. And Jesus, you know how hard people are. You know how hard it can be. As you sat having dinner with your disciples and you looked and you saw the ones who would betray you. You saw the ones who would deny you. The ones who would flee from you. The ones who would abandon you. And yet you loved them. God, I pray for us, your church, for Hillside Church, for the church. God, may we not allow us to be pushed apart by things of this world. May you protect our hearts and our minds and our souls, our bodies, our, our, our everything about us as, as we return to look back or return to, to, look, to, to relive life together, to see our church full of people, to see a church full of our family. God, may you protect our hearts as we see the people we've disagreed with, as we see people that may think so differently than we do on things. God, may we not see each other as issues. May we not see each other as preferences. May we not see each other as our thoughts and our opinions. God, may we see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we see each other that way, may we know that we can love each other beyond the things that we think differently. That we can love each other beyond simply just understanding that, that we disagree and, and, oh, I don't know if I can be friends with somebody who thinks that. No, we can love one another because we're not our opinions. We are children of God. And so, God, I pray for our church that the hallmark of our church would be a church that loves one another. That the hallmark of our church would be that we would be able to be different people with different experiences, with different life stories, with different opinions, with different everything. And yet we find unity together, not because we all think the same, but because we all love the same. We love with the love of Jesus in our lives. God, I'm so grateful for every single person that calls Hillside Church their church. For those that that agree with things that I've said and for those who think, I don't know sometimes. God, I'm so grateful for each one who calls our church family home. And we just pray that as we come back together, God, would you knit us together tighter than we were before. God, we don't want to be just what was. We want to be better. And so God, would you bring us together better than we were before. We're so excited for all that you have for us and all that you have in store for us. And God, may we do our part by loving each other through it all. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
1: I will trust in you and know that you
0: are Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. hillsideairdry.ca is our website, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Hillside You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, hillsideairdry.ca, and click on the About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go.
1: It is you that holds us together. trusted Yeah. Get-